0: Jennifer Colosimo. Welcome to our last episode of the Seven Habits Coach, where we've been applying principles and practices from the seven habits of highly effective people to our current challenges. I'm joined today by my co-host.
1: Hello, everybody. Todd Davis here.
0: And we, in the last nine episodes, have covered each of the seven habits while highlighting the primary principles of each habit as they pertain to challenges we're dealing with right now. Habit one, be proactive, is the habit of choice. I can choose my response to any situation. Habit two is begin with the end in mind. The principle here being the principle of vision and purpose. Picturing where it is you want to be tomorrow, a week from now, a year from now, and as a personal mission statement at your retirement or your 80th birthday party. What you want your legacy to be. Habit three is put first things first. The principle here is about execution and personal management, doing the things day to day that establish you in achieving that vision. Again, these first three habits are all about what's mastering called the private victory, the victory over self. It helps us move from the state of dependence to independence. The next three habits are all about working together with other people in relationships to master the public victory, our effectiveness with others. Habit four is think win-win, based on the principle of mutual benefit and also abundance. It's the attitude, the mindset, that we need to increase our trust with others. Habit five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. The primary principle here is empathy. Truly taking the time to understand the other person's point of view. This is the real skill of building trust with others. And then Habit 6, Synergize, based on the principle of creative collaboration. When we have that attitude of win-win or mutual benefit from Habit 4, make the effort to take the time to truly understand each other, Habit 5. Then we are ready to collaborate, to solve our problems, to uh, address our challenges, and take charge of our opportunities in new and better ways, doing things better than either one of us could have been able to do on their own. Then surrounding these six habits is habit seven, sharpen the saw, the habit of renewal, of investing in yourself. And this is critical because it's the habit that powers all of the others. We are the only tool we have to address the situation in hand. I invest in myself, my well-being, so I have the energy and endurance to help those around me.
1: Our intent of this web series of the 7 Habits Coach was to provide hope. Hope based on principles. And because we all know hope is great, but hope alone is not a strategy, we've shared helpful practices to actually put that hope into action. If there was a habit or an assignment that really hit home and resonated with you, maybe the circle of influence and circle of concern that I shared, for example, the best way to really internalize that is to teach it to someone else while it's still fresh on your mind. Walk them through it using your own examples and your own words. And hey, if you find yourself struggling or falling short, don't get discouraged. Remember how airplanes fly. When an airplane takes off, the plane has a flight plan. But during the course of that flight, wind, rain, turbulence, air traffic, human error, a lot of other factors keep knocking that plane off course. The planes are actually off course about 90% of the time. don't know if you knew that. don't know if you feel very comfortable knowing that, but they actually (laughs) are. And the key is that the pilots keep making these small course corrections by reading their instruments, talking to the control tower, to come back over and over again to the flight plan. So, if you keep coming back to your plan, making small adjustments along the way, and keeping hope alive, you will reach your destination, as well as helping all of those around you reach theirs, too. From the Jim Collins book, Good to Great, many of you are familiar with what is known as the Stockdale Paradox. Commander Stockdale was a very senior naval officer who was a prisoner of war during Vietnam. He survived seven years of torture, in, in the prison when many others did not survive. And he attributes his survival to confronting reality. Not being pessimistic, because there were those who were pessimistic, said this is, we're never, this is never gonna be over, this is the worst thing in the world. And he said they died. They died because they gave up. But he also said not being naively optimistic. He said there were groups of people that said, we're going to be out by Christmas or we're going to be out by Easter. And while he knew they were going to get out, he knew that those were unrealistic expectations. He said just being realistic, knowing that they would get through this if they could focus on what they could control. This was the power of being realistic, not being pessimistic, not being overly optimistic, but just being realistic, knowing that we won't be here forever and we will get out.
0: And that realistic belief is a very helpful way of seeing things right now, or at least we hope it is and has added some value to you. Those are the glasses we encourage you to put on. We are undoubtedly in challenging times. Most of us are dealing with some level of difficult situations, and frankly, some of them are heartbreaking. And it won't be over, even if parts of it are over, this won't just end next week, or maybe even next month, or in the next several, but it will eventually be over. And how we deal with the challenges we're currently faced with, and actually contribute to helping others, ourselves during this time, is what's most empowering and helpful to focus on. It's our hope that the seven habits, principles, and concepts we've shared with you over the past nine episodes, along with those suggested practices, will do just that. The American philosopher William James said, Act as if what you do makes a difference. It does.
1: Remember, we can all choose our response to any situation. This last video we're going to show you is such a great reminder of just that. It's called Carry Your Own Weather.
2: Monday morning and it's raining a gray melancholy day on a day like this maybe we can be excused for feeling gray and melancholy ourselves we get into a mood and the whole day seems to go badly don't you feel better when the weather outside is great But what if you could carry your own weather within you? What about the social world we live in? Don't you feel better when you're treated better? That's being reactive to what we could call the social weather, the social culture. When you carry your weather with you, you can choose to be consistent regardless of how people treat you. That's what it means to be proactive. Being reactive is the opposite of being proactive, not taking responsibility for our own life. You always see yourself as a victim of the weather, of your moods, of someone who has it in for you. Habit one is based on the principle that your life is the result of your own decisions, not your conditions, not what's happening around you. That's why habit one is so foundational so basic. Unless you practice habit one, you can never practice the other habits of highly-affected people. Years ago, I was doing research in a library in Hawaii. While thumbing through a book, I came across an idea that changed my whole outlook. The author said something like this, between what happens to us, that is the stimulus, and our response, is a space. In that space lies our power and our freedom to choose our response. And in those choices lie our growth and our happiness. This insight sunk deep into my heart. Even in the midst of challenging circumstances, we have this exhilarating power to choose how we will respond. For instance, the great Viktor Frankl The Jewish Austrian psychiatrist imprisoned in the death camps of Nazi Germany during World War II experienced unbelievable indignities and tortures. He was raised to believe that you are basically a product of your childhood. But while he was in the death camp, he began to observe some very interesting things. Different people reacted differently to the same circumstances. He himself experienced terrible things. Some of his own loved ones were killed. One day they stripped him, put him under lights, and performed experiments upon his body. At that lowest possible point, he discovered what he called the last human freedom, the power to choose your own response to any condition, to anything that happens to you. During his darkest moments, Frankl would visualize himself lecturing to his students in Austria following his release. He pictured himself teaching them about the very experiences he was having then. He came to believe that the most basic human capability of all is that between stimulus and response. Man has the freedom to choose. Frankel later determined the thing that enabled survival in the death camps was not necessarily intelligence or survival skills, but a sense of purpose a contribution yet to be made. This became the basis for his brilliant autobiography, Man's Search for Meaning. It's not what people do to us that hurts us. It's our chosen response to what they do that hurts us. As Gandhi put it, they cannot take away our self-respect if we do not give it to them. We must simply never build our emotional life around the weaknesses of other people. Otherwise, we give them permission to continue to mess up our lives. We give our future away. Several years ago, I was making a presentation on this subject of proactivity, and a woman stood up in the middle of my speech and started to give a speech on her own, spontaneously. She was filled with explosive learning and excitement. You could see in her eyes her gestures, her body language, and then she sensed the inappropriateness of what she was doing she sat back down. I could hardly wait until the break to talk to her. What happened to you, I asked. She shared her story. She said, I'm the full-time nurse to an extremely miserable man. He doesn't even acknowledge me, let alone show me any form of appreciation. Ingeniera! year?" She went on to explain that this elderly man entrusted to her care, was absolutely miserable and took his misery out on her. She was becoming more and more depressed and hated the thought of going to work each day and facing this irritable man. All of the other nurses felt the same way. They talked even of his demise wished for it, hoped for it, while they were taking care of him. Then she said something to me. For you to stand up there and suggest that I am choosing to be miserable was almost too much. But then, listening to you, I suddenly realized that I do choose to be miserable. Before, I believed I didn't choose it. He made me. But then I realized how dependent I am. I'd given my power over myself to him and his miserable behavior. As I thought about what you were saying, she said, I realized I had the power to choose and felt like I had been let out of prison. That's why I stood up. I could not contain myself. I just can't tell you what that means this feeling of freedom is almost overwhelming. We have the power and the freedom to choose, to create our own weather each day. As Polton J. Sheen once said, each of us makes his own weather, determines the color of the skies in the emotional universe which he inhabits.
0: As you saw in the video and the models that we we see in the video, the principles that are found in the seven habits can help in many difficult situations in even the most difficult situations including the one we find ourselves in now. Thank you for joining us. Be safe.
1: Thanks, everyone.
0: If you'd like more resources to apply these concepts, please visit us at franklincovey.com slash 7 tools.